FOMO. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Faux Mondays, the snackable companion to FOMO Sapiens, which, of course, will be back with a full episode on Thursday. And on Thursday, we're going to be talking to podcaster, author, just kind of amazing person, Maura Aaron's Mealy. You might know her from her wonderful show, The Anxious Achiever, and her new book of the same title. So we're going to get into that topic. But until then, happy Full Monday, best day of the week. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, since we're going to be talking about anxiety on Thursday, I thought, you know, why not just get a double dose? Let's just lean into this anxiety week on FOMO Sapiens because, you know, if you've been paying attention to the world around us, you know, it's a little crazy out there. So we're talking about how to deal with anxiety with a person who is very equipped to help us out. His name is Mittal Desai. Now, his background includes more than 10 years in healthcare, first as a patent attorney at a top NYC law firm, and then in the pharmaceutical company Merck, and later as a biotech and pharma equity research analyst on Wall Street. He also spent five years at MasterCard, leading global teams across product management, data services, and digital strategy. A huge believer in public service, Mittal served in the Obama administration as a senior advisor at the State Department handling public-private partnerships in South Asia, and he is a board member at NAMI NYC, the nation's largest chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. His passion for mental health stems from watching close family members struggle with mental illness. And I will add that uh, last year, we did a session together about FOMO mental illness for a bunch of Wall Street folks. 500 people showed up to that Zoom 500 people. So there is an interest in this topic. And that's why I thought, let's have Mittal on the show. We'll talk about it. We'll get the topic kind of opened up so that when you show up on Thursday, we're ready to go. All right, Mittal, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Really looking forward to it. It's my pleasure. All right. You know, no, nobody looks forward to talking about anxiety as much as we do. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. What I, I just want to start, you know, I like definitions. And I know you, you like them too. So how would one define anxiety? That is a great place to start, Patrick. You know, anxiety is a word that is often used, especially over the last few years with, with COVID. But it's important to step back and put some definition around it. Um, you know, the first point that I think is important is that while there are multiple different ways in which anxiety can show up from, you know, mild anxiety all the way through to panic attacks, there are a couple of common things that are present, uh, no matter which way anxiety shows up. The first is that, you know, there are, anxiety is accompanied by feelings and thoughts, right? Of worrying, of fear, uneasiness that go beyond kind of the general nervousness and excitement that we feel from time to time. And the second thing to know is that while it starts in the brain with these thoughts, it quickly, like automatically goes to your body causing all the responses that we also know too well of, you know, increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, dry mouth, perspiration. 
And so anxiety really, at the end of the day, regardless of how it shows up, it's a combination of a change in thoughts and physiological responses. The difference is in the severity, the frequency, and the length of time, right, in which these all present. I think, you know, it will also be helpful for your audience to maybe better understand this is to, you know, remind ourselves that believe it or not, when these responses kick in, that's our body thinking it's helping us. The body, in fact, thinks it's actually protecting us, right? Using what we all know is the fight or flight response system. And this fight or flight response system can be triggered by real, you know, threats. But oftentimes, especially in our modern society, it's triggered by perceived threats. And this threat appraisal system that triggers the fight or flight response is a core part of who we are. We're wired for survival. And this fight or flight response system is highly, highly sensitive, right? And it is constantly scanning the landscape, as I said, for perceived or a real feds in that those responses happen automatically at the level of the nervous system. And I'll, I'll just make one final point here is that, you know, at a low level, actually, anxiety can be positive, right? So when you think about kind of the nervousness or the anticipation or the excitement that we feel before, you know, I still feel it, even after years of public speaking, I feel a level of nervousness. And how do I address that? I address that by prepping, by doing my homework, by bringing my A game. That's a pretty good result. Um, and so, you know, anxiety can actually cause you to discover your full potential when it when it's present in kind of a low level, uh, temporary mild form. Of course, when it becomes more severe and long lasting is when it approaches uh, something more like a disorder. Yeah, you are bringing your A game, buddy. I just want you to know that. Now, um, yeah, I, I think that's right. It's kind of like, I mean, I always say FOMO, a little, little bit of FOMO is really great. It actually is a physical response that can be valuable to us, but then too much of it, it can be debilitating. Now, what has changed? Because it does feel like this topic, I mean, obviously the stigma around this topic is declined. And so people are just talking about it more. It's something that, you know, folks are, opening up about in the workplace, but also it just feels like there is this epidemic out there that there's some kind of secular shift that it makes anxiety much more pervasive than it used to be. Would you agree with that? And if so, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. Again, a really important kind of level setting point here. You know, we forget again, because as you said, we, we talk about certainly at least anxiety and depression more than we used to, but you know, if we look back to actually right before COVID, there was already a mental health kind of crisis brewing. There was, you know, this well-known survey by the American Psychological Association in 2019, and it said that, you know, 54% of Gen Z and 40% of millennials reported feeling some anxiety or stress during the preceding month. This is as compared to the national average of around 30%, right? And so the demographics that are now making up the majority of the workplace, Gen Z and millennials, came into COVID with heightened levels of anxiety. You layer on top of that, of course, anxiety and all the vulnerabilities that triggered, you know, the, the economic uncertainty that we're experiencing, the political uncertainty that is happening kind of in, in many places around the world. It feels like we're just in this moment of nothing but uncertainty. I really can't find a large source of certainty at this point. And so when you're in this kind of suspended animation, that is the kind of the worst thing possible for your brain when all it sees is uncertainty. And so we're already in this, this state where, um, 
you know, we're kind of at the potential for moving from this general nervousness and excitement that we feel on a day-to-day -day basis, what is called kind of maybe the worried well, uh, if it becomes a little more regular, we're on the verge of, you know, having that tip into something more serious because of this uncertainty that's all around us. So I think that's an important point to remember. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. Yeah. How do you know when, I mean, we all, of course, have anxiety, you know, especially, I don't know about you. I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, that's that time. And I just read the New York times wrote about this. In the middle of the night is when like the goblins come out and get in your head. And then you start sort of catastrophizing, which I've been talking about a lot in the show. You all have heard me sharing that. It's like, that's my little, um, that's a little, like, uh, I don't know what you say, like the place where I just go. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm very aware of it now. Um, thanks to my conversation with Mora, but you know what, how do you know when it, it goes from like, you know, just kind of, you know, reality day-to-day -day living to something where you got a, you got a real problem? Yeah. Good question. And by the way, I, a lot of us feel that, right. I feel the same when I, right. When you're putting your head down to sleep and you're, you're sort of really, um, anxious for that rest is when, <laughs> When those oh, that's when I have sugar plums dancing in my head. This is later <laughs> at night when I wake up. Oh, like really? Three. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, I have the midnight. I have like the three a.m. vibes, but not uh -huh. all the time. But like that's that's what I realized. So now, like, thank God, I, I just kind of like meditate and go back to sleep. But that was something I had to work on. There you go. Well, at least you know what to do. You know that that uh, the reason that happens is because that is when we are actually relaxed, and these mm. thoughts that we during the day do a better job of either suppressing or not paying attention to when your body is and your mind is relaxed is actually when those thoughts come 
to the surface. And by the way, there's an analogy for this at society at large. If you actually look at pandemics in the past, so the SARS pandemic and the 1918 flu, the mental health effects actually peaked two years after the pandemic ended, right? After we had the chance to take that sigh and say, okay, we're over the pandemic and sort of relax is when all these mental health effects actually peaked. Wow. So something to keep in mind, another reason why it's important to talk about this and continue talking about this. So, you know, you asked about when does it move from, again, general nervousness and kind of worried well to something where you should see see someone really. And, and you know, the, the common direction there is that basically when it starts to impair your functioning, when it starts to interfere with your daily activities, you know, where when it may prevent you from getting rest and sleep over a prolonged period of time, when it impacts your, your functioning at work, when it impacts your relationship with people, right? That is when, when you start to feel like you don't have a handle on it anymore is really when you should, you should see someone. And there's a variety of modalities, right? That, that a professional will use. They won't necessarily go straight to, to a medication. If, if, if they're good, there's actually simple talk therapy can oftentimes address this. So yeah. Yeah. That's perfect transition because I mean, one thing you could do is listen to FOMO sapiens because my voice is like an ASMR for anxiety, <laughs> exactly. but no, I didn't think that, well, I think it could help, but, but, you know, understanding that this is not a, a you, know, you know, we're not in a medical office here, so we're not giving medical advice, but we are giving some ideas about how to start thinking about things that we can all do every day to deal with anxiety. I mean, I'll start with one, which is taking a deep breath mm-hmm. and just taking a couple of deep breaths, hold it in and then let it expire, you know, sort of slowly. That can really help you to, so that's, I'm going to give you that one. That's like one that, you know, we, I think I learned that in kindergarten, right? Uh, yeah. but we forget it. But Mitchell, what, what are some of the things that you, that you would advise people to do when they're feeling that anxiety? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a, a former scientist and patent attorney, so I have to start with some science here. Uh, so, uh, you know, anxiety, it's, it's important to, we hear about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems, right, as, as underlying our anxiety. Um, the parasympathetic nervous system is the one that is kind of calming and is about rest. The sympathetic nervous system is the one that is where the fight or flight response system happens. The good news is that both those systems cannot be on at the same time. And so if you find solutions to elevate your parasympathetic nervous system, that quiets the sympathetic nervous system and calms you down. The other thing to keep in mind is, as I said at the outset, right, anxiety has thoughts and physiological responses. So your solutions, which, by the way, can be super powerful, you can actually do a lot by yourself to address this, will should address both your mind and your body, right? And so if you think about the mind, uh, I like to talk about sort of things you brought up breathing, meditation is another one, I won't spend too much time on those areas, there's a lot of folks who talk about that. I'll talk about things that are, are not as often spoken about. And frankly, in my mind, are easier than meditation. The first is self talk, right? So if I'm being honest, like, I used to think self talk was kind of maybe a waste of time and didn't really have a lot of efficacy. I have found that when I have these anxious thoughts at night, positive self-talk literally 
sort of saying to yourself, Mithil, maybe even your hand over your heart, look, I know you're trying to protect me, but we're good. We're just like lying in bed in my bedroom, in my apartment, which is fully secure. We're fine. I know you're here to help me, but I don't need you, right? That's one form of self-talk. Another form of positive self-talk is labeling. So, you know, anxiety is oftentimes, as you said, right, accompanied by negative thoughts, kind of rumination. And so the idea here in labeling is to label them and say, look, I am having the thought that I am going to blow it at the meeting tomorrow and then get fired. I am having the thought that I am all by myself in the world. No one cares about me. And these thoughts are not facts, right? That's the point of labeling them as thoughts because they are not facts. They're just thoughts that exist in your mind. And so that can start to short circuit some of the brain activity that, that leads to anxiety. Another way to address the mind is journaling, right? I, I know you, you do this. I think, you know, um, guys, maybe I do it too, by the way, guys might be a little more loath to do this because it brings up images of like a diary or a gratitude journal. It doesn't have to be any of that stuff. It can literally even be a, a note in your iPhone or an email to yourself where you're just talking about how you're feeling, getting it out of your brain and getting it out of that negative rumination loop, putting it on paper, you will be amazed at how that can, again, cut short those kind of negative thoughts. Talking it out with someone before you even go to a therapist, unless you feel like you need one, talking it out with an empathetic friend like you who is not in problem-solving mode, but is just listening. Like, again, just getting it out of your mind and either on paper to yourself or to someone else can be really, really powerful. And then the, the second set of tools addresses your body, right? So you talked about breathing. And you mentioned, you know, exhaling longer than you inhale, incredibly important. That's, you know, Andrew Huberman talks about this too, is sort of the physiological sigh, where you exhale longer than you inhale. You do that 10 times in a row, I guarantee you, you will calm down. Another thing is going out for a walk, especially when the sun is out, right? That's incredibly, incredibly important. And touch, right? If you have a dog, pet your dog hug someone. If you love pets and you don't have a pet, get a pet. Like the, the act of physiological touch is also incredibly calming and soothing for, for our bodies. It just makes me think. So I just went last night to see uh, Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto in Carnegie Hall, and I was reading the program. And little did I know that Rachmaninoff was going through some tough times he basically had, he was like in his mid forties, he was like, I'm, 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 I've got writer's block. I'm stuck here. And, uh, his, uh, his psychotherapist did hypnotism with him and then taught him a bunch of mantras that were mantras that are like, you're going to write a great concerto. And he dedicated the piece to his therapist because it got him out of his writing block, this this positive affirmation, and he wrote the greatest piece of his career well, that incredible. you know we still hear. I know, right? I mean, Rachmaninoff, it's like the guy was doing this 100 years ago. These are not new tools. It's just that we don't use them or we think they're weird or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I read that, I, I know an entrepreneur who's had a lot of ups and downs who goes weekly to, 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 a, to a hypnotherapy session and says it's been very impactful in getting him out of his doldrum. So it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different paths to heaven, but you can find these things. You don't have to be stuck with these feelings. You can work through them. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, music also, by the way, is therapy. I mean, I think, you know, exercise is medicine. Music is medicine. 
right? Pay attention to what music makes you feel good, that what music calms you down. Um, so absolutely, absolutely. All right. We got some things to try. Maybe you listen to Rachmaninoff too, whilst you... <laughs> I don't know. You think about it. That would help me. Uh, okay. Well, this is a really good conversation. Everybody, we will contain this conversation. You'll hear more about this on Thursday, but I just want to thank you, Mitzel. And Mitzel, if people want to find you and learn more about your work, I know you are posting on Instagram and other places. Where should people go to find you, uh, your work and learn more about you? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I, you know, in my, in my bio, I think it's also important for folks to know that I actually quit my corporate job about four years ago to work exclusively in a field of mental health. So in addition to having a bunch of personal experience with it, with family members, I work with mental health nonprofits and startups and, and speak to companies and, um, and trying to incorporate it into even my strategy and kind of, um, you know, workshop facilitation work. So yeah, I, th I think, uh, it would be great if folks could follow me on Instagram. My, my handle on Instagram is my first name, the letter I, my last name, Desai, D-E-S-A-I, so Mithil I, Desai. Uh, same thing on Twitter. And then, of course, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, too, as a former corporate guy. And Mithil is spelled M-I-T-U-L, everybody, just in case you didn't know that. Now you do. All right, Mithil Desai, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Patrick. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 